they couldn't parent any baby born on your birthday. But that's logic. But that doesn't cure this primal wound, which is a child adverse experience. It is traumatic for any baby to leave all that they know. Mm -hmm. Hello and a heartfelt welcome to all our listeners as we embark on season four of the Family Twist podcast. I'm Kendall Austin Stulse, and my life story is a tapestry of unexpected turns from being adopted as an infant to losing my adoptive parents by the time I was 17, and then in a twist of fate, finding my birth family through the magic of DNA testing in 2017. And I'm Corey Stoles, Kendall's partner on this life adventure. When we uncovered his paternal birth family's roots on the East Coast, I knew our next chapter was calling us there to mend the missing pieces of Kendall's heart with the love of newfound relatives. Our podcast began as a single thread, a narrative of my own, but it is woven into a vibrant quilt of stories celebrating the complexities of DNA surprises, adoption, donor conception, NPEs, surrogacy, and the myriad ways families come together. Together, we've been welcomed into an incredible community with each guest sharing their own family twist. And through it all, we found strength in each other. Thank you for letting us share our passion and these remarkable stories with you. The bonds we formed with you, our listeners, and the stories you've shared have only deepened our commitment to this journey. Family Twist isn't just a podcast. It's a celebration of the unexpected ties that bind us all. Thank you for joining us on this fantastic ride. Wow, it's season four. Can you believe it? Yeah, it's been exciting. It doesn't feel like season four in some ways because we really haven't taken too many breaks. To be embraced by these different communities just makes you feel wonderful. One of the ongoing themes of the podcast has been rejection by a parent. And we've talked about that with Kendall's birth mother over several episodes. And we thought it was important to continue that conversation, which is why um, we're excited to have our first guest of season four, Jeanette Yoff. She's someone who has a profound understanding of the complexities of adoption, not just professionally as a therapist, but also personally as an adoptee. In our conversation, we delve into the deep emotional landscape of adoption, including the primal wound and the seven core vulnerabilities that Jeanette discusses. Get ready for a journey through the emotional roller coaster that adoptees and birth parents often experience. The episode touches on the themes of loss, rejection, identity, and the search for connection and understanding. We're excited to have our guest Jeanette on with us to talk about her story and the services that her company provides. Welcome to the Family Twist podcast studio, Jeanette. Oh, thank you for having me, Kendall and Corey. Great to be here. Yeah, thank you. Awesome. You know, I think this season I have struggled more and been verbal more about my struggle, the constant back and forth that I feel. I have a lot of empathy for my birth mother. I don't blame her whatsoever for the way that I came into this world, the way that I was adopted. You know, I had a wonderful life with my adoptive family, but I get really eaten up sometimes about this resentment I feel ab about her not connecting with me in over six years. And the extra layer of complexity that that lends itself to our family dynamic. I love my sister, her daughter, 
And my sister is always saying such wonderful things about our mother and her father. And I, I can't relate to it. You know, it, and I feel bad that I can't relate to it. I feel like it creates this automatic distance between my sisters and me. I don't really have a relationship with my half brother on that side, but between my sisters and me, it just feels like this, this barrier that's there because I can't share in that experience. And they purposefully don't talk about our mother with me much because they worry that it will hurt me further. Every family has weird dynamics, but I feel like my mother has created this for us. <laughs> yes. And rejection is very painful. This mm -hmm. is a very sensitive topic, especially for adopted persons, right? We're talking mm -hmm. about you're an adoptee, I'm an adoptee. It's personal and it is physically painful because we're experiencing so many losses in this process. You are. And mm -hmm. part of loss is grief. You're grieving the loss of, first off, leaving your family of origin leaving everything you know, that's a big part of who you are and not mm -hmm. having that genetic inheritance of knowing who you are, you're exploring and figuring out. And that's why we seek out our birth family members, because it gives us a sense of identity, inclusion, acceptance, we're valuable. And children do believe that it was their fault, unless mm. deemed otherwise, that how could any birth mother give away her child. There must have been something wrong with me. They do take mm -hmm. it personal until someone tells them otherwise. It was not about you personally. It was about the circumstances in your birth parents' life at that time. Mm -hmm. They couldn't parent any baby born on your birthday, but that's logic. But that doesn't cure this primal wound, which is a child adverse experience. It is traumatic for any baby to leave all that they know. Mm -hmm. They have formed an attachment to that birth mother. There are seven core issues in adoption that impact all members of the adoption. There used to be a word triad, which is there are three equal parts. That is not politically correct anymore because there are three different experiences. So now it's called the mm -hmm. adoption constellation. For all members, that's birth parents, adoptive parents, which can include foster parents, and the adopted person. We experience number one, loss. We all experience loss together. For adoptive parents, they may have infertility loss, right? We don't often think about the adoptive parents' loss. They are experiencing loss too of not being able to have their own biological child, right? Then the second core issue, and I don't like the word issue because that implies there's something wrong with you, which actually fuels that rejection sensitivity even more. Mm. So I like to say we have vulnerabilities. So there are seven core vulnerabilities. Loss, rejection is the second one. Because with that loss, of course, you will personalize it. You will take it personal as a child growing up. And then when you seek out your birth parents and you become rejected again, that's called a secondary rejection. And that is even more traumatic because you're actually causing a secondary trauma. Here we are as an adult seeking out our birth parents, like I did also, sought out my birth father, and he blatantly rejected me. He hung up on mm. me on the phone. I was 17 years old, and I was alone. 
I felt isolated in the experience. I didn't have support in the experience. I didn't have people who understood the experience. It was very isolating and it did cause a lot of anxiety and depression. That's probably why I became a therapist, I think, because when I started writing about my story, it helped just like you're doing your podcast. We need to recycle and make sense and process what is happening to us in order to move through the experience. It's very healing. But I'll talk about that later. Let me go back to the seven core vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. The next vulnerability is shame and guilt. And when we think about our birth parents, a lot of birth parents have a lot of shame and guilt for having relinquished their children. It is for them, they've been shamed, ridiculed, stigmatized by society. How could you? A lot of birth parents are either coerced, forced. This is the baby scoop era. I was born in the 70s. Baby scoop era where women were sent to baby homes to have their children. They were out of wedlock. They were shunned as women that were not to be seen in society because they were Mm -hmm. not married. They were unwed and they were pregnant. And so women were shunned and shamed back in the 60s, but it's still happening today. Women are told, nope, you can't have this baby, especially if it's a young mother. Nope, we don't support Mm -hmm. you. Adoption, right? And then we have a woman who doesn't want to relinquish her baby. She wants to keep her baby and there's not enough resources. However, there's a wonderful, wonderful organization called Saving Our Sisters, which helps mothers who are thinking about or are in a position where they can't financially support their child. The number one reason why women today relinquish their babies is because they financially cannot support them. And it's less than 1% of women today relinquish their babies. So this organization helps women keep your baby. You can parent your baby. You can, but they need support. So if we think about our generation, Mm -hmm. I learned that my father was told when he signed the surrendered documents, he said, forget this ever happened. Mm -hmm. Don't look back. And that's exactly what he did. And he went into a state of denial. And he stifled his grief process. He had tremendous shame. I know that. Uh, And he ended up rejecting me. What my understanding is, he has not had the support that he needs to understand his own process. He has to have empathy, just like your mother, for herself. She has to forgive Mm -hmm. herself for what has happened. Because a lot of birth parents also fear, and you're going to be surprised by this, that their own child will reject them because Mm -hmm. they assume, they project, because I rejected you, you're then going to reject me in return. And Mm -hmm. I'm so scared about how angry you're going to be with me, right? Because Mm -hmm. we have a lot of feelings and there's a lot of voices out there and we don't know who they're listening to, but if they hear one adoptee, you know, who says, I'm so angry at my birth parent, that's going to put them in a state of denial and protection. And they're going to say, okay, I'm not going to look back. I am not going to have reunion. It would be too painful for me. So Mm -hmm. the next core vulnerability is grief. We are all grieving. We have unresolved grief. And I believe 
we can grieve together. We need to be in a safe space. And that's why I'm a psychotherapist working in this field, because my goal and intention has always been to bring the constellation together. And the constellation is the new word other than triad. Mm-hmm. And that's birth parents, foster parents, adoptive parents, adoptees, foster youth alumni who've been estranged from their families of origin. We also include siblings, significant others, spouses, partners. We all need to understand this experience together and support the adoptee and the birth parent in this experience. And so birth parents can hear from adoptees. Adoptees can tell birth parents, this is what we need. So we project on each other. And Mm -hmm. in a safe environment, I run an adoption constellation support group, which I've been doing that for years here in Los Angeles, which I believe is the mental health piece that we need to continue to work on for our parents, right? Your mother needs a support group. My father needs a support group. Who's going to hold their hand, help them? Because they're stuck in this grief process. They're stuck in these seven core vulnerabilities. And there's more. There's three more. Identity. Because we have lost our genetic inheritance, that genetic mirroring of where did I get my nose from? Where did I get this talent from? We have genetic traits Mm -hmm. that we don't have a springboard of where did this come from, which in essence makes me who I am, right? I grew up, I was a great dancer. I was a performer and my parents were not. They supported my strength and allowed me to participate in dance. And they saw it was beneficial for me. And I went to college, studied acting. I even studied the theater. It wasn't until I learned at the age of 35, this was years later, that my mother, my birth mother, was a dancer in Buenos Aires, Argentina. I was shocked because people always told me, you're such a good dancer. But I didn't understand the talent. I didn't know where it came from. I just thought it happened Mm -hmm. to me. If I knew it was a genetic inheritance, I would have pursued it more. But I'm happy where I am today. Right, right. This all came together. But identity is a piece. Also, uh, intimacy is the next core vulnerability. Because we've been rejected, how could we possibly trust another person, right? We will have rejection sensitivity. We'll do a push-pull in relationships. I'll only bring you so close. I'll bring you close, but only so close, right? There's trust. You need trust and safety to be intimate and have an intimate, authentic relationship. So that impacts birth parents. A lot of birth parents, after they relinquish a child, they don't have any more children. It's a high percentage do not have more children. So to be intimate means you need to trust. And it's very scary for a birth parent to trust that, will my child accept me or reject me for what I've done, right? And then the last core vulnerability is mastery and control. And that's mastering all of these core vulnerabilities, understanding how they've impacted you in your life, being an adoptee or birth parent or adoptive parent and feeling a sense of control because all of these core vulnerabilities impact 
your sense, your internal sense, because it's traumatic. This is a traumatic, abrupt experience to be uprooted. And I don't know if you've ever seen the interpretation for sign language of adoption. It's literally... I don't think I know it. They do this. Hmm. It's uprooting something and putting it in a new place. Hmm. So adoption has invisible wounds, and these are them, and it is a mental health peace in adoption that needs to be recognized, understood, accepted. And so we're talking about rejection today. So what more can I share with you and your audience about rejection and how it impacts the person? I was thinking about this as you were speaking. Where are you in your rejection process with your father? So, well, it's a little story. So when he rejected me at age 17, I then went and studied acting because, interestingly enough, I didn't want to be me. It was easier for me to be other people, right? So I put on a false self. I learned that through therapy. So I acted for many years, and then I pursued, sent him letters, many occasions, got no response. And I then was living in New York City. He was living on East 10th Street. I was living on West 30th Street. I then decided, and I didn't really recognize this until about two years ago, why I left New York City. Because I love New York City. It's where I was born and raised. Because I didn't feel, it was like I felt I was abandoned and rejected over and over by my birth father, who was only 20 blocks away. What am I doing here? I don't feel accepted in my own birth state. And I moved to Los Angeles. Now, moving to Los Angeles, I then became involved in a theater company and wrote a play called What's Your Name? Who's Your Daddy? And I performed that play. And in doing so, I realized how many children were in foster care here in Los Angeles. I was shocked. At the time, there were over 35,000 children. I said, wow, I want to work with children. I'm an adult now. I want to help other kids make sense of their stories and what's happened to them. So I became a psychotherapist. So in doing that, becoming a therapist, and I started Celia Center. And I'm saying all of this because there was a, a trajectory of things that happened. In this time, when I moved to Los Angeles, I received a phone call from my brother saying, we found our birth mother. So he had put a website on the internet searching for Celia. My aunt and uncle had searched her name at one point, saw, oh my gosh, this is Celia's children because Celia, my birth mother, was mentally ill and she was um, living in a women's institution in Argentina at the time. And so I had reunion with her got to know her, got to meet her. And that's when my brother and I decided, let's write our birth father again, because it had been years, and let him know we found her. And she's Mm -hmm. safe and she's receiving treatment. No response, not at all, okay? And this was 2004. So basically at that point, having no response 
you know, you feel shell shocked. You feel, what do we do now? Right. Mm -hmm. So for the next few years, I let it just lay low and I just focused on helping other people. I really just put myself in other people's shoes as a therapist, doing mental health conferences, helping educate our society about adoption. And then my brother calls me again and says, you will not believe this, but I found an obituary of our grandfather, paternal grandfather. And Mm -hmm. in the obituary, there are names, right? Of family members. He found that we have two aunts. He had two sisters. And one of his sisters has two children, our age, Hmm. who live in Los Angeles. Oh, wow. So he said, here's one of our cousin's website. And so I go to the website. He says, you should write them and say, you know, who we are. So I did that. I said, I believe you are my first cousin through your mother, my birth father's sister. Received an email back within 24 hours. Oh, my God. We never knew about you. Mm. We would love to meet you. So I met them and had lunch. And this was 2016. So I was busy working all of those years. I had a child also. And we met and they said, our mother does not know about you. So we need to tell her. And I said, can you bring me pictures of my birth father? Because I've never seen a picture of him. You know, we, we don't have this information. They showed me pictures. And just like you, there were many pictures of relationships with my cousins, with my birth father. And it was another loss, right? Mm-hmm. It's a loss for us. when We have reunion with our birth family members. And we see the relationship that they have formed with what we truly want. The same loving, valued relationship included. We're accepted by our families of origin. It was very painful for me to see those photos. Like I wanted him to be at my graduation, right? He was at her mm-hmm. graduation. So as the story goes, they told me, He frequents a place in New York City. That was a (laughs) no-no. Yep. No, I hear you. (laughs) Once you told me where he was and they told me, do not go there. And I looked at them and I was a little, I said, "I, I hear you and I have every right to go there. This is my birth father. Absolutely. This is my birth father. And so it, it caused strain in our relationship. But then I ended up meeting my aunt who said to me, if I knew about you and your brother, I would have stepped in and taken care of you, which was very hard to hear. And we were all grieving and crying about that loss. Then she went to New York to tell my birth father she had met me. He was in denial. Hmm. He really... And it scared him, shocked him, and he didn't want to talk about it because he Mm -hmm. had kept the secret his whole life, right? And here is his sister saying, how come you didn't tell us? 
Yeah, that's a loss for her too. I mean, you know, she she missed out knowing you. Yes, you know. exactly. So then two years later, this is 2018, I decide, and I'm actually in New Jersey at an adoption conference, and I had two hours to kill because I was in between the conference and I was actually going to the Broadway show, The Father, that evening, which is so ironic. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know, so ironic. So I decide to go to the restaurant. It's a restaurant bar with frequents, and he's there. I walk in. Wow. Because I knew his picture, and I actually called my brother, and I said, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm going in there. He says, okay, okay, keep me on call. Oh. And the first thing my brother said was, don't go right up to him. Go and sit somewhere and watch and observe him first. Because what did he say to me? He might reject you, right? Right away. Mm -hmm. So he was protecting me. So I went all the way to the back of the restaurant and started right, doing my FBI investigation <laughs> and observing. And I took you and I are similar. I would have done the same <laughs> thing. Photo, right? Because you want to know who is this person, right? Yeah. We're all human. How does he behave? Do we have any genetic traits that are similar? Does he talk? Does he move? Does he use gestures the same? So that was really um, profound. Then after about 30 minutes, I said, I'm going up to him. I just yeah. need to, right? Because here's what happened for me. And people, everybody's trying to protect us, right? Oh, don't go, right, right, right. I said, no, I'm going for me. I am affirming mm -hmm. and validating me, whether he rejects me or not. I have a right to walk up to him and say, I'm valuable. I'm worthy. And I want you to see who I am. I don't need your validation, but you need to know who I am. And that I'm okay. I'm a good person. You don't need to know my whole life story. However, let's have respect for each other. I believe, and if there's any birth parents listening, have responsibility to just say, hi, yes, this happened. Acknowledge the life-altering event that happened for both of us. It's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. So when I walked up to him, and I looked just like my birth mother. Wow. We look identical. So I walked up to him and he had actually walked down the bar, turned to two people. So when I walked, I was behind him. And the two people looked and said, oh, there's somebody here who wants to say hello to you. <laughs> and wow. he turned around and it was like he saw a ghost. His whole face went white. I mean, I was... Mm hitting rewind, right? And then hitting play. Mm -hmm. So he completely regressed in that moment. I look like a ghost to him. And what I did was fascinating because I didn't know what I was going to do in these moments. You, you don't know what, but I knew my intention was just be friendly, appear as a friend, show up with respect. And that was my intention. And I said, my father's name, I said, it's me, it's Jeanette. And I had to like pat myself, like I'm really here. I'm a human, I exist, mm -hmm. I'm alive, right? You may have killed me in your own mind, 
by rejecting me, shutting me down, but I'm still here, right? So I said, I just want to sit and have a drink with you. Can can I just say hello? It's been a long time because people are looking at us. So right, right. I made it seem like we were old friends. And he said, okay. And then he walked and went to the restroom. And I literally sat right in the seat next to where he was sitting. And we had a conversation. Hmm. He wouldn't look at me. He couldn't look at me. Hmm. And here's the thing with trauma. It's not that we won't behave. It's we can't behave because we don't have the right coping skills. We, we don't know how to handle very difficult emotional, psychological situations. Uh, you know, this was somewhat traumatic for him. Yes, did I show up abruptly? I did. I did, right? But I needed to do it for me. It's part of my healing process. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I did ask him, do you have my original birth certificate? I educated him a little bit that, you know, when you're adopted, because this was before New York Open Records. And he said, uh, I think so. I think it's in the hmm. vault. And I went, the vault? <laughs> hmm. He says, yeah, I have things in a vault. And so he actually ended up sending me my original birth certificate. Oh. Photos. The first photo I have of my birth father and birth father in the same photo. It never had that. Um, hmm. And a baby picture of me that I'd never seen before. So uh, answering the question since then, so he sent me that paperwork. He picked up the phone once when I called him three days later and said, oh, I just want to make sure, can you send it by FedEx? Because this is really important information. He goes, oh, yeah, sure, no problem. Click, very stoic, Mm non-emotional. And then my adoptive mother uh, died of cancer. Well, as you can tell, we're ending this first part of the episode on a little bit of a cliffhanger because we just couldn't bear to edit out much of the conversation because Jeanette was so poignant. I admire Jeanette so much for meeting and gently confronting her birth father. It takes so much courage to face such a profound moment of potential rejection. But what a wonderful moment of closure for her. We're also happy that Jeanette's focus has highlighted the importance of empathy for all members of the adoption constellation, including birth parents, adoptive parents, and adoptees. We all need support systems and safe spaces where people can process their experiences without judgment. Please stay tuned for part two, which is live right now. Family Twist features original music from Cosmic Afterthoughts, and is presented by Savoir Faire Marketing Communications.